Amen and amen. So I'll be sharing about our papal statement or our vision or our mission, hallelujah, from a different perspective. You know, I do it from time to time. Sometimes I talk about the tangible things that I want to do. Sometimes we talk about the spiritual things we want to do or we, we come from different angles but talking about the same vision, hallelujah, amen, and glory to Jesus. Turn with me to the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 10. Shall I repeat? The gospel according to St. Luke chapter 10. And we will read from verse 25 through 28. Amen. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, that is Jesus, tempted Jesus saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readeth thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, with all thy mind. And thy, uh, sorry, with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I was reading from the King James Version. You read from your favorite version. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the same word. Hallelujah. Amen. And glory to Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So, my title this morning, hallelujah, if you will, is The Love Driven Ministry. Amen. I'll try and behave and stand still. The Love Driven Ministry. In other words, a love driven church. Amen. Are you still with me? So it is the Love Driven Ministry. Hallelujah. We are driven by many things as people and as churches we are driven by many things. But I believe this morning that a church must be driven by love. Hallelujah. Amen. So the love driven ministry as we share our vision this morning, as we share our purpose. Hallelujah. So my question for you this morning, child of God, is why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? So I'll be answering that. But the emphasis is on the fact that we are a love-driven ministry. Why do we do what we do as a church, as a people, as a ministry? Hallelujah. And we are using Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 28 as our base text. Hallelujah. And uh, the important part really is where it says, you must love the Lord, your God, hallelujah, with your whole being, hallelujah, but also you must love your neighbor, amen. In other words, we are talking about loving God and loving people, 
Let's repeat. Loving God and loving people. Hallelujah. So what does our church do? Loves God and our church loves people. Hallelujah. What does our church do? Loves God and it loves people. People, hallelujah. So loving God and loving people, hallelujah. And now the question is, how do we love God? That's my question again. I like questions, hallelujah. We have to ask the right questions actually for us to have the right answer. So how do we love God? Loving God starts by loving people. Because the scripture teaches that how can you love God whom you have not seen when you hate your neighbor whom you have seen? So before we could love God, we should love people. So any church that exists should love people. Any pastor that's preaching the gospel should love people. And that's a serious challenge for us. Hallelujah. Because sometimes it's so impossible to love some people, but we have the love of God poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit enables us to love even in circumstances whereby we can't love. Hallelujah. So we are able to love. So you as a believer, whether you are on YouTube or here at church, I can tell you now, you have the capacity to love. We as a church, we have the capacity to, to love. Because it is not our own doing, but it is the doing of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is why every child of God, every believer must Holy Spirit. Because when you don't have the Holy Spirit, it will be a bit difficult for you. In fact, it will be impossible for you to love. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to be able to love even the unlovable people. Just like God did when we were still in our sins. When we did not really deserve his love. He loved us. Hallelujah. And therefore we as believers must have the love of God. Even when people don't deserve our love, we should still love them. And we are able to do that because of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Church will be out. Hallelujah. That's a sermon right there. Amen. But that's an intro. Amen. And God bless you. Amen. I have 20 minutes to go. Let's Lord help me here. Hallelujah. So loving God starts by loving people we see daily. That's how you get to love God. So now, allow me to actually zoom in into people or loving people. Since I'll be theorizing if I talk at the level of loving God. If it starts by loving people, that will take us to loving God. So I'm going to zoom into loving people. Now the question is, how do we love people? I've already said to you, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to love people. Amen? But how do we do that? Because my role and my responsibility as a teacher, 
of the word of God. It's to teach people so that they can become the disciples of Christ, isn't it? So that they can be able to live out the Christian life the way God intended. So how do we love people? Turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John, some of you, you like saying 1 John 3.16. And don't forget there's John 3.16, which reads like, For God so loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life but 1 John 3:16 says we know what love is because Jesus gave his life for us almost similar almost similar to John 3:16 but look at the next line this is why we must give our lives for each other for God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son right and because of that love that God gave his son, that Jesus gave his life over for us, we are required similarly or to do similarly to give our lives for each other, to lay down our lives for each other. Another translation says, I know the New Living Translation will say that we should lay down our lives for each other other. That is the love of God. In other words, when you are not laying down your life for other people, the love of God is not in you. The challenge is you must make sacrifices for other people. You have already made sacrifices for yourself. But what about making sacrifices for other people? Laying down your life for yourself is not a sign of loving God. But laying your life down for other people is a symbol or is a sign of loving God. Two different things. So making all the necessary sacrifices for yourself and your family does not necessarily mean that you love God. It means you are just selfish. Loving God means extending your sacrifice beyond your immediate circle. Everybody enjoy. Hallelujah. So we love one another when we serve one another. If you're taking notes, hallelujah. In other words, without service, there's no love. Love serves. Hallelujah. So doing ministry by the way, the word ministry is service. Should I repeat that? So the word ministry is service also. It's just another way of saying service. So doing ministry is the way we can serve the purpose of God in our generation. You know how obsessed we are with this thing of serving the purpose of God in our generation. But serving the purpose of God in our generation requires us to
to lay down our lives for other people. It requires us to give our lives for other people. It requires us to sacrifice our lives for other people. So you can't say you are serving the purpose of God in your generation, but you are selfish with your life. You must lay down your life for other people. In other words, your time must be sacrificed for other people. Your money must be sacrificed for other people. Your home must be sacrificed for other people. Oh, can we have a home sale in your house? In the name of Jesus, glory to God. Amen. Your resources must be sacrificed for other people. Hallelujah. Amen. In other words, everything you have must be sacrificed for other people. Now, let me tell you, your family must be given to the Lord. Your children must be given to the Lord. They must serve the Lord as soon as possible. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Your husband must be given to the Lord. Your wife must be given to the Lord. Hallelujah. What am I trying to say here? Don't be selfish with the time you have with your children. Be free to allow your children to go out and serve the purpose of God. Be free to release your wife to go out to serve the purpose of God. Be free to allow your, your husband to go out to serve the purpose of God. And stop hoarding on your family. Because some of you, you hoard on your family. You don't want anything with your family. They can't serve God because ubabatamu. Problem guru abore. You need a friend. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I am preaching because my wife has allowed me to preach. Because I won't be able to stand here and preach if I have a wife who's not supportive. I'll be complaining this morning because you'll have mistreated me. Hallelujah. Oh, I'll have found a car with puncher tires. Hallelujah. Just making sure I don't come and preach so that we can have a honeymoon in the morning. One child says, my daddy and mommy are always going on date. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful thing. But I think a child must say, my daddy and mommy are always going to church. My daddy and mommy are always going to other people's house to minister to their needs. My daddy and mommy are always taking care of the sick. My daddy and mommy are always taking care of the poor. I think that will be a better testimony to our children as opposed to that you are lovey-dovey with your wife or your husband and that's a wonderful thing but you overdo it hallelujah mm. thank you Jesus and glory to Jesus I think a demon just left the building I think another demon just left online yeah another demon left online hallelujah yeah that's a demon chasing uh, teaching right there hallelujah we need to have a better testimony 
Your children see you studying all the time, studying newspapers, but what about them seeing you studying the word of God so that you can be thoroughly equipped for the work of the ministry? Good testimony that you read a newspaper, but I think it's a better testimony that you read the word of God so that you can be thoroughly equipped as a man or woman of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Mm. The youth and the young people, as much as you can get good grades, that's a wonderful thing. We praise the Lord. Keep it up. Well done. Don't stop it. But it will be even greater when you know the way, just like you know your school books. Sacrificing for other people. Hallelujah. So ministry is our way to show the world that we are disciples of Christ. To serve, to sacrifice ourselves is our way to show the world that we belong to Jesus. Jesus says when we love one another, when we serve one another, when we sacrifice for one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. In other words, without the sacrifice of self, for one another, the world can see that you are lying, you are a hypocrite, that you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this calls us for repentance and come back to God and be prepared to serve our generation in and out of season. Yes, and risk contracting COVID if it means so, because you want to serve your generation. Hallelujah. They say we are not essential service. And thank you so much, Mr. President. They say we are not important, we churches. Thank you so much. But I can tell you now, when somebody passes on, we will be there to bury them. Regardless of the risk. When a family is bereaved, we will be there to serve them. In fact, last week we went to support. In the midst of this, we have to do the sacrifices. When the petrol tank is on empty, is red, you still say, I can still make the five kilometers to just go and pray with brother or sister, so and so. You, we make the sacrifice. Hallelujah and glory to God. It does not matter. We don't wait for the circumstance to be conducive. We are awaiting the news in the evening to be told that uh, no gatherings at all. Guess what? We will continue to serve you. And if they do that, I'll tell you, I'll be preaching online on Wednesday. YouTube, we will do that. We are not going to be stopped. We'll do whatever we can to serve you. And you are in trouble. We will come to your home. We will come and support you. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. A church driven by love. Amen. Nara driveway ki status. Nara also na status. My father is the king of the universe. Jesus, the king of kings. Kinale mayem already. So I got jela mayem mokregi. Amen. Okay. So, so ministry or serving is our way to show the world that we are disciples of Christ. No other way. 
There's no other way. But Christ, they could sacrifice for other people. Hallelujah. Mm. And that's the theory. That's how we live. That's how we do things. Hallelujah. Kereke yemi yemi so because people are sacrificing to make sure it continues to serve the purpose of God in our generation. Hallelujah. Mm. Doing ministry is to be repurposed for the glory of God. I think you know the word repurpose. So when we do ministry, we are being repurposed for the glory of God. Being repurposed, it means we are taking our gifts, our abilities, our talents, our resources, and reusing better for the glory of God. Meaning anything we have or anything that we, we are stewards over is reused this time around for the purpose of God. And that is why we're saying repurposed. However, we cannot be repurposed unless we are repositioned in our thinking. You need to have a paradigm shift. You need to be repositioned in your thinking. We need to work on your thinking. We need to work on the transformation of your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed before you can be repurposed. You need to be repositioned in, our, in your thinking. And that is why edification, edification is instruction for transformation. That's my definition. Leave the dictionary alone. Edification is instruction for transformation. And this is achieved through the teaching of the word. And that is why what I'm doing is necessary. Because what I'm doing is to work on your thinking. It's to transform your thinking. The more you hear the word, the more you get transformed. Hallelujah and glory to God. So you have to be edified. So when we mature in discipleship, we mature in ministry. Because edification, the working of your mind, is to be taught, to be instructed. You are being discipled. So when you are a student in a church, when you are a disciple in, in, in a church, you are maturing, you are becoming what God has called you to be. So that you can serve the purpose of God in your generation. Oh Lord, help me. Five minutes to go. <laughs> when we return to our original position as God intended through discipleship, discipleship we become repurposed. We use our variable gifts to serve our generation. Every gift is necessary. As I'm talking, there's somebody on a computer at the back. As I'm talking, there's somebody using a mixer. As I'm talking, there's somebody operating a camera. As I'm talking, somebody's playing the keyboard. As I'm talking, there are people doing things with kids. As I'm talking, we are using our different abilities to serve the purpose of God. So we don't just stand here and dish out a sermon. There's a lot of people who are in. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So reconciliation is the work of God through Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus Christ had to come to reconcile us back to God. And listen to the next line. And he has 
given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's first. That's second Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen. I'm sorry. I think I said first, ne? Oh, sorry. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen. But you should know the scripture, Bazalwane, anyway. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen. Hallelujah. All things are of God. He has given. He has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What did he give us? I can't hear you. What did he give us? We are given a ministry of reconciliation. We are given a service of reconciliation. It is God who has given us the job to reconcile people. We are here. We exist to reconcile people to God. We are not here to help you get a four by four. And you know I don't like four by fours. We are not here to help you get double stories. You know I don't like double stories. Hallelujah. Unless it's an apartment block, hallelujah. And God bless you, hallelujah. But we are here to help people be reconciled to God. That's what you find in the, in the Bible. The other things, the Bible says, they get added. We don't specialize on those, amen. Seek ye the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's Matthew 6.33, amen. We are here to ask people to come back to God. When you say reconcile, we are saying come back to God in Dombi. Let your family come back to God in Dombi. Let West Avenue in Fendale come back to God. Let Runbeck come back to God. Let Houghton come back to God in the midst of COVID-19. Let South Africa come back to God. Back to God, the people at the Assemblies of God will say, back to God. And we are saying, come back to God. Be reconciled to God. Have a relationship with God. But before you can have a relationship with God, you must have a relationship with people. We are saying, be reconciled with your family. Be reconciled with your husband. Be reconciled with, with, with your parents. Be reconciled with your children or your employer. Be reconciled. Let there be unity in our generation. That's the message we are preaching, not disunity. Let there be reconciliation among the churches. Nobody owns a church. You might have a ministry, but you don't have a church. Just, I don't have a church. It belongs to Jesus. Yes, I have a ministry. You have a ministry. But let there be reconciliation. Amen. Let's finish this. Luke 14.22, this time thing, it's not working for me here. Luke 14.22-23, hallelujah. God has not allowed me to, okay, it's okay. Luke 14.22-23. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room, right? write it down in, in capital letters. Yet there is room. There is room, Hallelujah. And let's continue reading. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highway and the hedges and, underline the following, compel the people to come in 
compel the people to come in. Glory to Jesus. Compel the people to come in. Underline the next one. That my house may be filled. We are going out. Reconciling people to God. You know why? Because there is still room in the table. There is still room in the house of God. But not only that. Because God wants us to compel people. I think in the Greek, he wants us to anakazo. He wants us to persuade people. He wants us to argue people to come to the house of God so that the house of God can be full. In other words, God wants heaven full and hell empty. The great evangelist once said, my mission is to populate heaven and to plunder hell. Guess what? This is what we stand for as a church. We want the house of God to be full. God does not want people to go to hell. He wants people to come to him. That's the gospel we are preaching. We want people to come to God. So when we come hard and we are persuading you hard and we are serious and we are determined, we are not trying to push you away, but it's our way of compelling you to come to God. We have to compel you. Hallelujah. We have to persuade you. So if you're a member of this church, if you're going to be helping or working in reconciling people to God, don't be soft. You have to persuade them. You have to get your friends to church. You have to get your friends into the kingdom of God. You have to get your friends into heaven. And the way to do that, you have to compel them. Scabba soft. Don't be soft around sin. The problem, you are too soft. It doesn't work like that. We don't hate you when we are addressing sin. We are trying to compel you to say, hey, time is ticking. Hallelujah. Because we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when Jesus is going to show up. But when he shows up, we must be ready. So we must compel you. We must compel you. We must compel our generation that come back to God. Come back to God. Hallelujah. Plundering hell and populating heaven. Come back to God. We are given the ministry of reconciliation. I didn't choose it. You didn't choose it. Give us. Are ready everywhere. Yeah, I compel. I And this is what this church must do. This is what we must do as believers. Bible church. Yes. Hallelujah. It's 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 a You must compel people. Hallelujah. plus one church now. As long as the doors are open, keep plus one. Who's got only one? Compel them. How should they lay on your way to church? Whatever it is, we must compel people. That's the that's what the verse says here. I'll go to the streets. I'll go to the streets. Get get them in. 
the reason why we do what we do. We can only reconcile people to God when we reach. That's another one. That's number four. We can only reconcile people to God when we reach out to them. We as a church must reach out to people. People should not be reaching out to us. Having a sign outside is a good thing, but we have to go to the people. Go to the people. Go to the people. Go to the streets. Go to the taverns, but don't go to drink. Go where the people are and get them to Jesus. But let me warn you, especially Bontate, don't go to the brothels and say you are no cousin. I heard of some two pastors, they did that. You won't come, you, you won't come back okay. Hallelujah. But you must go to the people. Get to the people. The Bible says, reach out. We must reach to the people. Let me repeat that. We must reach to the people. We must do whatever we can to reach out to the people. Do whatever we can. The pastor just up the road, the aggressive one, you know him, Wako Bloom. We are here in Joburg. They have a brand gym of Headcopen. They're saying reaching the lost at any cost. That's what the church does. That's who we are. Unfortunately, when it's in the Bible, we have to copy it. They have anything that's godly we must do. At any cost, we must win the lost. We must reach out to the lost. It's not a trend to be on YouTube. If you are listening on YouTube right now, let me tell you. We are not trying to be fashionable, but what we are doing, we are reaching out to you. We are coming to you on your phone at any cost. Some of you, we are coming to you on your smart TV. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Or on your laptop, in your office, or in your bed. We are reaching out to you. That is why we are doing you. Can you see why we do the things we do? Hello? Amen. That's why we'll have these young kids doing, using their cameras and do whatever. Because we are doing, we are using our gifts to reach you wherever you are. So that you don't say, God, I did not hear the gospel. You heard it today. And you'll continue to hear it as long as the breath of God is there. We'll do it at any cost. Hallelujah. And glory to Jesus. Luke 10, 2. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That why we do the things we do is because the harvest is great. The harvest is there. All we are doing, we are saying, we are coming for the people. The people are waiting. The people are waiting for the true gospel of Jesus Christ. People are tired of hearing of Kaiser chiefs. They, 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 they are tired of hearing about soapies. Hallelujah. We continue to watch the sports and watch the TV. But we as a church, we don't bring you sports. We don't bring you soapies. We don't bring you fashion. We bring you the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are waiting to hear the gospel. 
One young man in the church, the pastor, we like you so much. Uh, uh, you know, you bless us. You, you, you teach us very well. And he says, what we really like about you is that you give us the, uh, the gospel. Even though you tell us about these many books, we are not interested in them. We like the gospel. You know who it is, okay? Say hi to him after church. Hallelujah. Because indeed, people are not here to hear how educated we are. They want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to know how many books we have read. They want to know how many scriptures about Jesus we are reading to them. That's all they want. And people are ready for the true gospel. The fact that the churches are empty is because the gospel is not being preached. We are not going out there to the people. And I hope this there's the church to go out to the people. Even if it's restriction now, when you do the walking in your suburb or your estate, you must preach to the people. Doesn't matter. The church, even if the church doors are closed, this continues. This is not restricted to the church. Going to the people, we go to them. Amen. Amen. But I mean, who's going to restrict me from my house to live stream? Who's going to do that? That's unethical if you're going to block the internet. Hallelujah. We will then one vote for you when the election comes. Hallelujah. When you're interfering with the freedom of speech. Hallelujah. Amen. And go and glory to Jesus. And the Bible clearly says here, go to chapter 10, more workers are required. And we are saying as a church, I'm saying as a pastor, yes, Lord, use us. We are ready to get into the harvest field. All right, we have done how many now? Four. Oh, we have done all of them. No, 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 one more to go. One more to go. We have done four. Mark 16, 15, just to rubber stamp this one for reaching or reach. Mark 16, verse 15. He said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is a great command for all that are saved to go. It's an instruction. Go and preach the gospel. To every creature, full stop, and God bless you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive the uh, power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in all Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's the point it is the Holy Spirit that gives you the capacity to love. The very same Holy Spirit that gives you the capacity to love. He's the one who empowers you to become a witness. To testify about what Jesus has done in your life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you're not witnessing, maybe we should ask, are you full of the Holy Spirit or what? You can't be full of the Holy Spirit and never witness about what the Lord is doing. The Bible says in the book of Acts, I think chapter 80, very one man called Philip, the evangelist, he just went as far as he could preaching the gospel while others were still in Jerusalem. Because this thing, you can't contain it. Even if we say you must toe the line and try to manage you. But when you have the spirit, you will just want to witness. You can't be stopped. Nobody can stop you from witnessing. Witnessing is just to say, you know what? I know this Jesus. He died and then he rose again. He's sitting at the right hand of the father. You know what? He saved me. I used to be a drunkard. I am now sober. I used to be a drug addict. I am now sober. I used to be a womanizer. Now I am 
am a man of one woman, or I am a woman of one man. I pray, I practice monogamy. Hallelujah and glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, you said you thought I'll say poly. No, it's a monogamy. Hallelujah, because it's when He has worked on you. Hallelujah. You go like, you know, when I was in meetings with other men, we will never start the meeting or we will only start after two hours because the first two hours is spent discussing the ladies passing by. But since I received Jesus, when I get to the meeting, I make sure the meeting starts on time. And when the meeting is finished, I go. I have no interest in discussing women because he has come into you. That's what witnessing it is. Or I used to be a gossiper, I don't gossip. I used to suffer from anger, but I don't... Amen. Now, I've already said that witnessing is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we reach out to people so that they can be reconciled, right? I've told you, ne? To God. When they are reconciled to God, they can love him through exaltation, if you want, if through worship, if you want, extol. In other, way, in, other, in other words, we can only extol the name of God when we are reconciled to him. But for us to be reconciled to him, somebody should have reached out to us. But for somebody to be able to reach out, he needs to have been repositioned. He needs to have been, or she needs to have been, and they need to have been repurposed. That's what we are doing here in this church. So we do what we do so that the altar of worship is restored. There is the last one. Restore. We are here to restore the altar of worship as a church. In the heart of every man and woman is that Jesus reigns. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is holy. There is no one like this before all things. He exists by himself. He's preeminent. That's what we exist for. Because the Bible says you shall love God with all your love, with your heart. How do you love God with all your heart? It's through worship. But you can't worship God when you are not reconciled to him. You need God. Can you see how it works? So at the end of the day, we do what we do so that our generation can love God. Let me repeat that.